Psalms chapter number 29. If you want to stand, stand, uh, stand with us together. Psalms 29. Acknowledge the Lord, acknowledge the Lord, you heavenly beings. Um, the, acknowledge the Lord, you heavenly beings, is um, speaking to the sons of El. Acknowledge the Lord's majesty and power. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Acknowledge the majesty of the Lord's reputation. Worship the Lord in holy attire. The Lord's shout is heard over the water. The majestic God thunders. The Lord appears over the surging water. The Lord's shout is powerful. The Lord's shout is majestic. The Lord's shout breaks the cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Siron like a young ox. The Lord's shout strikes with flaming fire. The Lord's shout shakes the wilderness. The Lord's shout shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The Lord's shout bends the large trees and strips the leaves from the forest. Everyone in the temple says, Majestic. The Lord sits enthroned over the engulfing waters. The Lord sits enthroned as the eternal king. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord grants his people security. Amen.
I need you to believe 
light afflictions that we bear cannot compare to the promise that you gave therefore we don't look at what we Expectantly, 
righteousness and is rising, Son of righteousness is rising with healing in his wing.
You hold the reins of the sun and the moon Like horses driven by kings You cover the mountains and the valleys below With the breath of your mighty wings Oh, 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 you hold the reins of the sun and the moon like horses driven by kings you cover the mountains and the valleys below with the breath of your mighty wings and Treasures of wisdom and things to be known are hidden inside of your hand. And in this fortunate turn of events, you ask me to be your friend. You ask me to be your friend. Oh, 
they're all hidden inside of your hand and in this fortunate turn of events come and be my friend come and be John 16. I have told you all these things so you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue, yet a time is coming when the one who kills you will think he's offering service to God. They will do these things because they have not known the Father or me. But I've told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember that I told you about them. I did not tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to the one who sent me and not one of you is asking me, where are you going? Instead, your hearts have been filled with sadness because I've said these things to you. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I'm going away. For I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send you him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong. He'll prove the world wrong concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. But concerning sin, he says, because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the, the ruler of this world has already been condemned. what he woke me up this morning with he said you got to know this you you got to let it sink into you you got to like receive this message if anything can epitomize today x2m 140 prosecutor judge of the world that the ruler of this world 
is already condemned. Because of that, there is therefore now, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now, there is therefore now no condemnation. I will not be a receiver of condemnation. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in us. The judgment is complete. The judgment is done. so loved the world the Lord that he gave his only son that all of us that perish brought into glorious light and liberty the liberty of the son the liberty of the father the liberty of the Holy Ghost the liberty of true freedom Psalms 115, not unto us. Not unto us. Lord, not unto us. But to your name. But to your name. Bring honor. 
but unto your name be the glory. For the sake of your loyal love and faithfulness, unto you, unto you be the glory, unto you be the praise. I need to give a like a, a briefing of the atmosphere for us to be properly aligned today with what actually is happening in this event. It's um it's in Zechariah chapter number fourteen. If you in the tech team, if you could put the monarch up on the or the uh, the symbol, the blue uh, symbol up. Thank you. Zechariah chapter 14, if you look at the bottom of the uh, B sections, if you can see it, I believe there's two Bs at the lower corner. It's going to say um, on one side, on your left, I believe it says Zechariah, it says uh, 6, 1 through 8. And on the right, it says Zechariah 14. Do you see that? It's right before you get to the apex. The apex will begin next week. It's called the King of Glory. Today, though, we, are, we will conclude uh, today's event with the, um, that lower B section. 
On the left side is 6, 1 through 8, which is where we're at, particularly verse 8 today. But in um, the right side is the commensurate side that goes with it, Zechariah 14. The reason why I'm doing this is, first of all, the Holy Spirit told me to do it. And second of all, because I believe he wants us to have perspective about what is actually occurring today and maybe what we are up against or in the atmosphere. On the left side is the vision, the seven visions. On the right is the burden, the burden oracles and the vision oracles of Zechariah. And so sometimes, sometimes we get vision, but we need to understand the other side of things. So we need a balance, and that's what I needed to hear. And so when the Lord told me this morning, go to Psalms 29. I didn't know that Psalms 29 was going to lead me to Zechariah 14, but it did. And so I asked the Lord, well, I've been up here for wisdom and how to conduct, because to be honest with you, I do not fully always understand at all really what's going on, but I seek to understand. And I believe I've got some understanding now. I want to bring this out, and then we'll praise the Lord and unpack this text in real time and space as it occurs on even in national and global situations that are like confronting us in the uh, well again nationally and in the in the earth today and the day of the Lord is about to come when your possessions will be divided as plunder in your midst I'm going to gather the nations against Jerusalem to wage a war and the city will be taken its houses plundered and the women raped then half of the city will go into exile but the remainder of the people will not be taken away this is a process that has come forthcoming for the seven days seven years of uh, tribulation will occur on israel proper as a nation the church of the the church in this last hour, we, the church of God, have been going through uh, this trial for some time. Even some of us, our possessions have been plundered and divided up. <laughs> some of us have been through quite a bit related to exile, many of us in this room. However, the Lord means to bring us into uh, the land Many of us have been in exile, which I brought out last week, brought out of a purging time into a, a time of paradise, a paradise that will begin to occur on the earth before the inbreaking of our king in the millennial reign, the 1,000 year reign. And so, uh, so there's a remainder of the people that will not be taken away. And he says to me, he says, you're sitting among them right now. The ones that I will not take away, the ones that are mine. And then he says, so then it says, and the Lord will go to battle. Then the Lord will go to battle and fight against those nations just as he fought battles in the ancient days. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which lies on the east of Jerusalem. And the, and the Mount of Olives will be split and half from the east to the west. And it will have a great valley. And you know this valley is also known as the, the valley of what? Jehoshaphat. 
I believe Joel will say, you know, in the Valley of Jehoshaphat is a big decision-making time. There's a decision in the valley, a decision for the loyalty to one king and one Lord and one sovereign. That is the, that's the issue that's been confronting all of us is our loyalty to him and then also our admittance uh, that we can do nothing of ourselves without him. This is a full dependence, a star children. And he says, uh, in that valley of decision, which many of us have been in and been tried and tested in, you will, you will escape through the mountain valley. This is what he drew me to this morning, for the mountains will extend to Aziel. I had to go look this up because I understand this prophetic material, but Aziel in the, uh, in like translation, it means something of eternity. I've got my own thing from the Lord about this is it's the eternal now. It's the tran translation or for the purpose of transfiguration for the purpose of glorification of the place between two valleys within a mountain situation where you, there is no way to be delivered. And yet the Lord will come down, uh, put his feet down, his footstool down and split it open and make a way or a path through the valley, the valley of Aziel, uh, the valley that will usher us into X2M, exit to the millennium, or the exit into the millennial reign. Reminded me this morning, remember X2M 112? Yes, Lord, I remember that I had my eyes wide open and a whole screen flashed in my eyes and the whole room went blue and I saw another land. It was the land of heaven on earth. And he tells me while I'm standing there, he says, compel them to come in to, uh, how do you put it, come into the millennium. You are partaking of the millennium now. And I, that messes with your eschatology. I'm like, is this ah mill, post mill, pre mill, or? Yes. In a moment, it's like all the eschatological positions united and became one. And I've never been experienced like that. So I said, oh. And he said, uh, well, I was standing in the millennium. He said, um, I'm commissioning you and telling you, call them in. For, uh, in trans as a transfigured people coming across uh, in through the mountain, you know, not today, but then through into this realm, the, the realm that is among us even right now, the realm of heaven. I will awake a galactic progeny. I will awake a star children. I will awake those who are born from heaven, that are born from above. I will awaken you to the realm of the reality of heaven all around you. The perception that our perceptions would be stripped of our, of the location of our own selves, even in your age. I'm too old or I feel too young. I forget about it. Eternity is in your heart. This makes me feel like Stephen was telling me this morning. It makes me feel like I'm 24 again. How does that make you feel? 
It makes me feel like I'm 365 years of age right now <laughs> because Enoch was. You get it? As far as from the east is to the west. As far as what it is to be a child and to be a master carpenter. As far as what it is that wisdom is a little child and a master craftsman at the same exact time. But his ability to cross over into this place through the valley. Now, indeed you will flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of King Uzziah of Judah. I had to look this up too. There was an earthquake that came and it created a landslide in the midst of the valley and it blocked the king's garden. It blocked the uh, path to the garden. And I, I said to the Lord, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, I told you that this city and that I would bring an, an Eden on the earth and I would bring this into being. I would bring this people out of exile into Eden, restore what has been lost by paradise. I said, yes, he's like, the king's garden has been blocked up like it was in the days of Uzziah. And I said, why? Why has it been blocked up? And he tells me, the very thing that you're dealing with right now is the reason why. And it gets at this, this scripture I read you out of John 16. Our enemy's already been condemned. And yet he is trying to work condemnation onto us related to our own righteousness. If we take the bait, we're just like Uzziah who is trying to go in and burn incense as a priest in the, uh, the temple. I don't understand what you're saying, Carol. Here's one priest, one high priest. One forever living to intercede. One who has by his blood, and Jeff was singing it, by his blood has purchased us for all time. <laughs> Under no condemnation anymore. One high priest, one high priest king. It says about Uzziah that it says his, his heart was lifted up. It says he became strong in his heart and was lifted up to his own destruction for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on an altar of incense. How does that? He's struck with leprosy, remember? He's put in a private house all the days of his life until he died. Remember Isaiah chapter number six? In the year... King Uzziah died. I saw what? The Lord. I saw the Lord lifted up. That guy had become a hindrance. Why? Because he was trying to take the priesthood to him on his own self. A priesthood that only the Lord's blood can purchase. It's not unto, it's not unto us. And the Lord said, yeah, go to, right there. Psalms 115. Not unto us not unto you, not unto you or, or me to take the condemnation. No, not unto us, but who? To him be the glory. You see, do you see the opening up of the garden? Unto him be the glory. 
unto him, the majesty, the majestic one, the sovereign one, the sovereign one's blood who speaks a better word than that of Abel, the path, the path to the greatness of our day of paradise, right? And we know this, the blood, the blood, the blood. The blood. That our hearts wouldn't be lifted up to strength. That our hearts would not be lifted up in pride. And I mean this even in pride in a sense that I got this, I can do this, I can make this happen. No, 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 I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead that blood. A blood. Oh. A blood that's already taken the condemnation. A blood that's already removed the filthy stain of sin. The blood that sets us free. The blood that takes away every consciousness of sin. The blood that delivers. You want to know the path into the millennium? You want to know the path where judgment is satisfied? Unto you, Lord. Ah, soak us, Lord. Round us in the blood. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Let me not be a hindrance. I repent. It's because of you. It's all because of you. You're the covenant keeper. When I was faithless, and I possess no faith. For by your grace you've saved us, Lord. It's all to you, and I will magnify you. I will glorify you. There's power in the blood.
Every mountain will be brought low. Every hill will be raised. I plead the blood, plead the blood. feel like you've been backed into a corner too if you feel like you've been backed up against the wall and you're in a place where you feel completely exposed and vulnerable good and you feel like you just can't do it and no power or anything you can bring to the table is going to change or break through your situation then good, good on you. You feel like you can't figure it out and you don't know. Be sprinkled in the blood, be washed in the blood. We do right now, Lord, we make a confession. We can't do it without you. This is my confession. I can do nothing without you. And I am nothing without you. This is my confession. What can I bring to the table but a heart? I'll just give you that. I give you me. Oh, oh. Yes. And now you are. And now you do. Give the spirit without mixture to the one with the spirit without measure to the one without mixture. What? No mixture in a sense of my confession.
this song in this house, Micah chapter 7. My enemy, do not gloat over me. Though I've fallen, I will rise. Though he's pulled out every angle and every stop to point a finger and to condemn, I say back to him, you've already been condemned. And though I've sat in darkness, the Lord is my light. And even if I've endured the Lord's anger, because I sinned against him, he'll defend my cause. (laughs) He's my prosecutor. He's my advocate. He's my mediator. He's the one who knows how to adjudicate for us. He's the righteous judge of the world. telling me right now. He said, I pull you closer to the joint, my joint seat. I'm driving, you know, being pulled up next to that place. The joint, the judgment seat of Christ to purify, to make you holy now. And my judgments are true. It may be uncomfortable to be exposed, star children. (laughs) This exposure is very important for us now. And we don't want to stand before it. Because he's coming. And when he comes, that's it. We want the fire now. We want the light of exposure now. We want the dealings of the Lord now. He said he'll lead me out into the light. And I will experience firsthand his deliverance. my enemy sees this he's the one that'll be covered in shame not me (laughs) they've been saying to me where is your God I'm gonna gloat over them then they'll be trampled down like mud in the streets 
all those little demonic imps and the little demonic powers that rebelled against him, trampled in the street, trampled underneath our feet. And in that day will be the rebuilding of the walls. And in that day, our boundary will be extended. It's in that time that the Lord will build a palisade and give us our perspicacity. He prosecutes against that which is not right in his midst. Assyria will come. come forward if you I will give them greater purity today tell me this you tell them to come forward I'm gonna ask you if you want to you want this purity I want you to come forward I want you to come forward to the Lord and allow him this is a moment of greater purity a purity that he is promising to deliver on right now in the context of this event greater sprinkling of our consciousness and the cleansing of our consciousness, a greater cleansing, a greater holiness, a purity and righteousness, a purity and devotion, a purity now that purifies your motivation right now, right now, and right now from the Lord. Greater light, things you can you haven't been able to fix for yourself, you haven't been able to get them right. Now, 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 fire, 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 fire for holiness, fire, fire. I receive fire, fire like lightning, purify, purify. Blood purifying, penetrating, life-giving, holiness, holiness unto the Lord. I want to be made like you. Those who are of the light come to the light so that their deeds may be reproved. I want my deeds to be holy. Lord, I ask you, I ask you that my motivation of my heart be made holy. I ask you that my actions be made holy. I ask you, Lord, for this people, greater holiness, greater purity. 
cast out the stumbling block, cast out, cast it out, cast out the sin that does so easily beset us and has set us back. The things that have stumbled upon, we've stumbled on, Lord. Things that have bothered our human relationships, that have bothered us with you, Lord, that have hurt our dynamic flow through. Release the indestructible priesthood. Kingdom of priests. Indestructible seed. Yes, now. Sing forth, sing forth. Oh, the glory of your Lord. There's power to deliver power. Wonder working power. Whoa. Just receive the touch of the Lord. start feeling like an electric impulse coming out of your fingertips. Start flowing. The electricity of God. The lightning impulse of the Lord. Stay with him, stay, stay right with him. Mm-hmm. 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 
I don't know if you experienced this, some of you may be experiencing this, but the word said, I'm going to bring in my weighty presence. We call this the Kavad, the weighty presence of the Lord. If you're feeling that and it's, you feel it like it's pressing you down, just just go down, you know, with the pre- like because he won't force himself on you and just feel him coming on you as like feels like it's a weight just submit to the weight of God's glory he refines you transforms you transfigures you mm-hmm. yes and some of you got fire coming out of the top of your head he's illuminating your understanding, bringing clarity to your thoughts and mindset. And fire is coming on your understanding. And purify your mind and greater purity of thought. The healing is coming to your mind even right now. It's the fire of God like Job spoke about that followed him all his days and went around and was a flame over the top of his head and gave him guidance, revelation, understanding. And it's a revelation of God over you. Would, it would be greater increase in the revelation of the glory of God in your mind and the influence of your thoughts and a purifying away of the things that have clouded your vision. Many of you have strong prophetic anointings in this room even now and that the purity of thought would be so crystal clear to you that you would see with the mind and eyes of God.
was told to voice a song over you. You said sing the song of Miriam. I don't think I've ever heard that, but I found it. It's the song of Moses and Miriam in Exodus chapter number 15. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, both the horse and the driver. He's hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He's become my salvation. He's my God. And I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his armies, he's hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them and they've sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, your right hand, your right hand, O Lord was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger and it consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging water stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them, I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead. In the mighty waters, who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you'll lead. You're leading us, Lord, the people you've redeemed. In your strength, you're guiding us to your holy dwelling. Hey, nations, hear and tremble. Let anguish anguish grip the people of Philistia. Let the chiefs of Edom be terrified. Let the leaders of Moab be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they'll be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord. Until your people are brought, you brought. Cross over. You're bringing us in and planting us. Oh, and you're eating land. <laughs> yes, on the mountain of your inheritance. This is the place that you made, Lord. You made us for a dwelling. 
We're your sanctuary, Lord, that only your hands could establish. The Lord reigns <laughs> for all eternity. The Lord reigns, the Lord reigns. You're the king, you're the Lord.
You're a first fruits people. First fruits people crossing into the new land. First fruits people tasting transfigured life. to come in all our brothers and sisters the remnant of God you were made for this hour created with a destiny and a purpose from the highways and the hedges of the Lord would be full. The paradise now. The paradise that's been lost has been found. when you rest with us, Lord, and rest on us. You're our paradise. You're every longing fulfilled. You're my motivation. You're my all in all. I love you, Lord. my soul all that's within me oh every part of myself Lord was made for you
Amen. Just have a word here for intermission. It's E-N-T-E-R. Word for intermission. Um, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Lord, I want to be pure. How do I be pure? See God, and you will be pure. He who fixes his affection, fixes his heart, girds up his loins, sets their affection on his return, purifies their heart, even as he is pure. It's like the second coming coming alive in the human heart. It's like he comes as you set your eyes on his coming. It already begins to be a reality inside. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Zechariah chapter 6, verse 8. And then he cried out to me, look, the ones going to the Northland and brought me peace about the Northland. Amen. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, hopefully I can help you with that. Or maybe I don't know what it means. Can you say it again? Yeah, the ones who... Then he cried out to me, look, the ones going to the Northland have brought me peace about the Northland. Zechariah 6, uh, verse 8. As you've been aware, we've been in a series, Judge of the World. It's the seventh vision in Zechariah. Three weeks ago at X2M 138 Palisades, Remember, uh, you know, so clearly being up here, and I did a little bit of a briefing on this last week, but it's it's come into the foray on a broader scale so much so that I, I need to debrief this again and uh, to bring us into the day. And then um, you know, from the perspective of the way I've been being briefed by the Lord uh, this week and this morning. And... It, the Sunday X to M138 Palisades, when we were up here, the Lord said, said to me, he said, your enemy stole your lightning. And I knew when he said that, that he was speaking to, you know, about us, his people. I, I knew he was saying that somehow, like, and it was in the context of the garden, you know, the Garden of Eden, that when Eve and Adam, you know, had been under a deception and have broke their, you know, covenant with the Lord, broke their relationship with him right there. And to eat from that tree of knowledge, <clears throat> that in that exchange, there was a loss of, of lightning. But, you know, uh, personally, I've never heard that, thought about that, or had any kind of like understanding about 
the loss of lightning was in the exchange. And now I have heard that Adam and Eve, but I have not seen them. Some people claim they have had an experience with Adam and Eve, but they, they were beings of light, um, irradiated light, and they interacted with God, who James 1 says is light. And it was in the interaction of light they were related with him. Um, and I, I know that years ago the Lord said to me, he said, you know, kings and queens or kings, he said, kings see but sheep hear. You know, because it says in Scripture, you know, my sheep know my voice, right? And that that sound is a very important function in relating with the Lord that we would hear his voice. And, and I believe that, you know, that so many of us, that's how we start. How many of you been to the Voice of God conference or listen how to hear his voice? I mean, you probably went through some kind of training on that, I hope, or you were trained by the Lord how to hear the voice of God. But when he said that to me, I was like, I'm one of people that can see the kingdom. Um, not just hear my voice. I, I want you to hear my voice, but I want you to see. And so I'm, I'm bringing you into an upgraded capacity that was lost in the fall that you would be able to perceive by light, not just by sound. Um, because when Adam and Eve lost their, let's say, higher status or their format, the way they relate, their relatability, they related... Um, you know, they were relating more uh, with light and sound and, and became um, spatially disoriented because they were oriented according to light. I remember a few years ago, I mentioned this, the Lord's like, you, um, because you've lost your spatial orientation, that's why I asked the question, where are you? That was the first question God asked Adam and Eve when he came back down. He said, where are you? And well, like God didn't know where they were at, right? I mean, the Lord knew where they were at. And if God ever asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know. <laughs> He's asking you a question for a good reason, right? They had lost their uh, spatial orientation. There was an interaction with God who was light and that light and I believe that maybe what he was meaning at X2M 138 was there was lightning fast impulse in the interchange. Um, the same kind of impulse we're seeing even in this day with a relatability with uh, information theory as many of you have been reading your Starchild article and your, if you know what I'm talking about. There's this information technology that is lightning Fast, You can basically get to probably almost anything at the click of a few words or buttons or whatever. You can get lightning quick information. And I think that what he was saying was, I want to juxtapose um, the lightning impulse that you can get from your Apple <laughs> and the impulse that comes from heaven that is me relating to you. That I'm no AI. And again, if you've been in the Star Child Challenge, you'll see where the word technocracy is being used there. And that people, even today, and this is, they, many of the schools today, like I, I had one of them writing me about getting a, a, a degree through Harvard about um, using information theory and information technology through an AI type system to better assist for the purposes of consulting people. 
Because you can get an artificial intelligence that runs and can analyze quantitatively mass volumes of information, sink them all down and get like down to like a rote point or something that will help you make a decision. And so information, the information age is, is upon us, you know, and, and Daniel, you know, it says that, that information will run like through a circuit and it will abound in this end time. And it's inundated our culture. And we're just inundated with, you know, from all of the different plus type, you know, things you can do now with, uh, you know, the media through COVID brought about, you want to watch any kind of film almost. I mean, all you, you, you pay a few dollars or you get it free on all the different plus pluses, right? Paramount plus Disney plus whatever. This is our age. It's instant feed on, um, on with light related to uh, Hollywood, related to uh, symbols and images. And I think, I think that this generation is, what's going to happen is they're going to become so apple-soaked with information because it doesn't, it's going to soak their consciousness in a way that's going to be like, this is not working. And it's almost like a deluge itself or it just gets on you and you're into your consciousness and it drowns out everything. And then there's this God who is not an AI. <laughs> He's not artificial. And I think that what he meant when he was saying to me, Acts 2 and 138, the enemy stole your lightning. What he was saying was, I was made to relate through you. From me, through you, back to me. I was made to have this connection with you that gives you an information, but more than that, information secondary, but relation a personhood that literally transforms this material, AI material information theory, information age is not transformative. That's why you feel duh if you get too much of it. And I want to open up your uh, perspicacity the next week to see the revelation of who I am operating through you and to others with lightning impulse. Your enemy stole your ability to, through tricking you, deceiving you from being able to actually run a complex narrative picture and be able to uh, bring it into uh, now and transmit it, not just like with information, but trans, re real transformative energy and life. Um, Adam is called by Paul a living soul, but Jesus, second Adam, is called a life-giving spirit. And you are not just made to receive information into your um, data structure, into your body, and become some kind of data AI. You're meant to receive a living, living Logos, Rhema, revelation into your person. And not just that, transmit out of your person transformative life around you. You're actually created like this by, from the Lord. He stole your lightning. And this is what I have for you. And I have what I want. What I want is that your, uh, your perspicacity would increase last week. I just mentioned this because 
Jeff brought this to my attention after the event last week, and I had read this, but I, I didn't say this because last week I was saying that the language of heaven and the air of heaven requires a different breathing apparatus. It even requires, as you ascend into, now I don't mean literally, but as your soul is being transformed, transfigured, it requires a, a, a different, let's say, a relatable uh, light-based system. Um, how do I say this, Lord? Um, like, quit using GPS when you have celestial navigation. <laughs> You're a star child. You're, you're working off of inferior technology, and it, yes, it'll get you so far, but you were made for a technology in yourself that is greater, a technology of the spirit that God placed inside of you when he created and made your soul. Because you're a light being, you can relate um, in a very geo, big global kind of way. And I don't mean like global consciousness project. I mean the God consciousness of relating to even in a celestial way and even all the way down into a standard model particle physics. <laughs> so he brought this up about, you know, perspicacity. Listen to this in an article dated October 7th, 1966, the journal science, the journal, excuse me, science discussed NASA scientist astronaut program recruitment efforts. The quote, to quote an Academy brochure, the quality most needed by a scientist astronaut. And um, when I say that, I, I really want you to think star child. But someone who can perceive the heavens and uh, work with those, the most, what they said, the most quality needed was perspicacity. He must, and you know, later on they have she astronauts, <laughs> but he or she must, uh, the brochure says, be able to quickly pick out from among the thousands of things he sees or she sees, those that are significant, and to synthesize observations and develop a test working hypothesis. Listen, when the Lord's like, I want to give you perspicacity last week, what he's saying is there are thousands of bits of information that are flowing around you, not just like what you see, but even RF energy and other types of energy are flowing into your being or through your being. And I, I want you to be able to um, be able to associate, look at them, examine them. Um, for those of you that are in the challenge, three days of the Condor paper, it's purposefully meant to put a bunch of things in your face and draw your attention to something by the Spirit of God. It is purposeful. Listen, I'm purposefully with the Lord did that. <laughs> and all of you have been frustrated, I understand. The, the, the purpose, it, was, it has like a multi-function uh, multi wisdom in it. The wisdom is, is to... You to look at it and say, I'm overwhelmed by the material. And that because of your biblical meditation time in the Lord, in the S2, when you're moving into S3, in the challenge, it's meant to draw you into the material and find out of that material what he is connecting you to. It's purposeful. 
I know that most of us don't know most of those words. That's okay. And nobody's asking you to know them, but to draw you through that white, to take thousands of things you see. I'm not throwing you thousands, I'm just throwing you a few. And find what is significant. To find the connection between heaven and earth and to synthesize your observation, your A3 and your star child thing, to, it's called analogical analysis. To take two different things and to draw them together into an analysis. Why? So that, for the purpose of, so that you can take that observation and work a hypo, hypothesis out of it. That's called judgment. So priest, prophet, or excuse me, prophet, priest, judge, king. And, and so what's, what's happened, so, so much so in the, in the church, has been that we've, we've done a biblical hermeneutics, either this one way or another. We've been, what I mean by biblical interpretation, hermeneutics, the study of the interpretation of, of whatever you're studying, hermeneutics, linguistics and, and grammar and studying it. And we've taken that material sometimes and become very particular about our grammars and our and particular about uh, different perspectives related to our biblical literacy, but have in so many cases have failed to translate biblical literacy into everyday life. And it's like been a like stop flow in uh, your whole entire picture because what's coming from the Lord sort of stops there and it doesn't go in from your biblical literacy or your hermeneutical analysis. It just stops there and it doesn't go into reality. And therefore, it doesn't transform into the body or into daily living. That's part of the purpose there. Or another side of it is we've become so immersed into reality and just doing reality and we don't connect back or connected to it flowing from the Lord into from our relating by worship to him in our biblical literacy. And so, so many people just cut that whole section out and they live their life, even within the church. And I spent a lot of my time doing this. You can ask my wife because I'm more a quantitative analyst than I am qualitative. What I mean by that is I'm more into the numbers and math and the science of it than I've been into, I was into um, relating with him. That's the way I was all up until I left the Air Force. And then he comes and says, come and be with me and pray. I said, I got things to do. I don't have time for this. You know, that's what I told him. I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't want to relate to you. I've got things to do. And you're interfering with my life. <laughs> that was some of my first days on that mountain. Quit interfering with me and let me get on with business. I got a job and a family to take care of. Do you see what I mean? How that's, that's happened. Enemy stole our lightning, our perspicacity, our ability to see that heaven is all around us and to find beyond what we're seeing, what, what is the symbols and signs and to look be, be beneath them or beyond them into the connotation of the narrative storyline that is behind them that is speaking back to us, something that is all around us. I don't know if you have that understanding but I want to tell you, it's very clear. Jesus said, repent, believe the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, meaning that it's here right now. We are interacting with his kingdom today. You can see and feel the block. It's lasted too long this morning. 
I was like, we're out up here. I was like, oh, please tell me something. Please open us up, okay, so we can get on and get in what you're doing in the movement of the Spirit. All right. So it was there, X2M 138, enemy stole your lightning. I said, I don't understand. He said, go to Percy Jackson. Go to Percy Jackson. I don't know who Percy Jackson is. I find out Percy Jackson was like this guy, Perseus, who was son of Poseidon. And it's a series of books that a guy, what's his name? Rick Riordan. That's how that sounded up here. <laughs> Rick Riordan. Anyways, that Rick Riordan had put together, and I was telling Tom McManus about it, and he says, hey, Carol, look. He looked up the book. It says The Lightning Thief. And that Sunday, the Lord had told me to go to Habakkuk, I believe it was, chapter 3, and it's this imagery of lightning and imagery on the waters. And next thing you know, I see, like, our people all down underneath the water, like going after some kind of sea creature. And I'm like, I go over to Steve and I said, you got any like um, uh, enemy hunting songs? <laughs> you know, uh, I should have said deep diving hunting songs. Well, this week the word, it's like, I want you to look at this. And I ordered Rick Riordan's books and I got three of them. And I got this trilogy and it says, uh, The Lightning Thief. The Sea of Monsters was the second book. And I was like, this is what happens last week. Perspicacity, meaning that you have an enemy, Leviathan, who wants to come and twist, uh, and Kelly brought this up after the event last week, it wants to twist the truth. It wants to deceive by twisting, and that's the way this uh, creature works is they go and twist their prey to death. <clears throat> like, and that... It's to confuse your, uh, through your orientation, your perspicacity. Um, they do this in astronaut training. I had this done when I was in pilot training and navigator training I was in. They, they put us in a, um, a dunk tank. They put us in a metal kind of like, almost like a coffin, but it was like the shell of like a helicopter. They strapped us in full gear, helmets on, put us in a pilot, co-pilot seat, put some people in behind us, put us with blacked out goggles on and put us in the water, turned us upside down, says you must get out of this, you know, and they have divers in the water, but some people freak out. And so one of the things that I think the Lord does allow in our life, like he did with Jonah, you know, in a sea imagery kind of way is he allows things to come at us even maybe because it says basically the Leviathan is the Lord controls that thing. And he, and he uses that, I think, to basically write our um, ability to um, perceive. Now, maybe you don't want to hear that, but that the Lord's got the enemy like on a leash, okay? <laughs> He's already prosecuted him like we're saying this morning and judged him. But he will use him and even employ him against the uh, uh, the saints. Why? I think, I, I think personally because sometimes we can't perceive properly without the other side of things, meaning that sometimes we need to um, see the objection to properly receive. I mean, sometimes we have the answer, but without the objection to the answer, we, we might not be parsing it or breaking it down far enough 
to really have a good perception on what is, you know, really going on. And so I think that the Lord employs the enemy to write our perception, our perspicacity. Uh, again, that's what they did with us in flight school. They purposefully disoriented us. And I remember, I've told this story before, but I, I, I knew what to do. I'm going to get disoriented. And when I do, I'm going to go ahead and tell my muscles to contract in a particular direction because there was like one hole you could go through of a window underwater. And once you're upside down blindfolded, it twists all of your... Um, Perception, because you think this is that way, and that's that. Way. I mean, it gets you completely discombobulated. I can attest to that, because I thought, no, I won't be discombobulated. Man, I was. I had no idea which way was upside down, backwards, forwards, and I couldn't see. And all I did was pull, and I was out. Because I'd watch some other people go in there, and they're screaming and flailing around. I was like, I'm not doing that. I got to find my way out of this thing. And so we dive down into the sea, maybe, prophetically. We're sort of in a place of darkness. We can't see. We're looking for how to perceive and work through this black enigma hole kind of thing that's got us colluded. Our minds don't understand. And the Lord's doing some kind of work with that. And he's, I want you to come into a perception where that, now you can see your enemy that's sitting right there and calling for what he is. I want you to prosecute yourself. I'm not just your prosecutor. I've made you in a way that I want you to be able to look at a situation and by lightning fast impulse, make a judgment on that situation rightly and it matches perfectly with what I'm doing through you. This is what he has for us. And this is what I believe, what he meant. You lost, it was lost to you in the fall. You, you lost your, your uh, perspicacity for lightning impulse. And so when the sea monster comes, instead of wrangling us to death, you know, and how many has that happened to you? <laughs> okay, but, okay, let's try this over again. The Lord's like, okay, time out, leave him alone. I'm going to try this again later. <laughs> And misperceived, okay, I'm gonna, okay, let's start over. Okay, send the sea monster. <laughs> All right. Deploy Leviathan. You know, bam, take that. And he's like, yeah. And I think the Lord's like, yeah, that's my son, that's my daughter. Well, you saw right through that thing, saw what it was doing, the angle it was taking, and caught it for what it was, and brrr, little fish has to go away. Maybe he'll come back another day. <laughs> Maybe not. To get whipped? <laughs> yeah, to get himself spanked. <laughs> that the Lord has a prosecutor. Now, this is what hit me this week, and I, so that was two weeks ago, 138, then, you know, Palisades, defensive systems and working through defensive systems, having lightning impulse, perspicacity, can you see in the middle of disorientation, all this accusation, whatever objections coming at you, can you see through it? Can you see the motive? Can you understand how to exact? But man, when I got up before today and I'm looking online, what's going on with Ocean's Gate of all names, at the Titanic, 
And the name of that little vessel is called the Titan. And the third book in this story is called Titan's Curse. Now, in my eyes, I was like, oh. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Do you know about Ocean's Gate and the, the small little submersible that went down with five guys down to look at the Titanic this last week? And it, I don't know if it lost its motive or its ability to motivate through the water. Um, and, well, I know it imploded, but I didn't know if it was because it, it lost its, its ability to move around and ascend back up. Nevertheless, it, it had an implosion. There was an implosion, and that's an instant death. And they, I think that I heard that the little Titan vessel, may, maybe they were alive for a couple of days. It's like 48 hours of oxygen, something like that. And that's just a terrible way to go. But the implosion would be a very quick way to go. I mean, you're not going, I mean, as soon as that happens, it's boom, you're out. And I'm like, look at it because someone had asked me, do you know about it? I said, no, what are you talking about? And I was like, Ocean's Gate, Titan, it's called the Titan? Yep. And then I looked down and the third book in this series is called The Titan's Curse. And man, I said, Lord, what is going on? And he said to me, he says this kind of stuff to me. He's like, I try to tell you I'm talking to you on a global scale. Everything's very personal to us, but I'm trying to say something to this company from a global perspective that I need you to listen to me. And I'm like, so my perspicacity, my understanding of narrative constructs is now like, wait a minute, you said go to Percy Jackson, Lord. When the day you said I stole, the enemy stole your lightning, you're the one that said that, and the lightning thief was the first book in the series. The next book in the series, Sea of Monsters. And then um, Stephen and I are in a debrief. He's like, you got to listen to this, Carol. I think it was Michael Heiser 380 or 347 on Jonah, and I sent it out to some of you. That was, that was during the week. I was like, oh, the Sea of Monsters, Leviathan. I was like, that's the second book. And then the Titan goes down. is like, oh my gosh, Titan's Curse. That's the third book. Um, just so you know, there's three more books. I'm going to read them off to you and then I'm going to um, work into my sermon. That was my context. <laughs> the next book in his series is called The Battle of the Labyrinth. That's the fourth book. The fifth book is called The Last Olympian. And the sixth book is called The Chalice of the Gods. It's just something to think about. I'm not putting any kind of interpretation on them related to world events because I can't. I don't really know how to do that. I just know that my eyes have been opened to something and I thought, and some of you may struggle with this, that God would use some kind of mythological thing to actually explain global events in the context of biblical literacy. But the Lord's primary source document is his word, but he does work through secondary sources. He doesn't need them, but he will work through secondary source material. We will observe through secondary sources. So let's, let's go to this. This is where he takes me to next. And let's just um, go to Numbers cha uh, chapter 10, uh, 34 through 36. 
And the cloud of the Lord was over them by day when they traveled from the camp. And when the ark traveled, Moses would say, Rise up, O Lord. May your enemies be scattered. And may those who hate you flee before you. And when it came to rest, he would say, Return, O Lord, to the ten thousands of thousands. Actually, that number is uh, 10 million of Israel. Uh, some scholars say that these two particular verses that are surrounded by two nuns, and I don't mean like Catholic nuns, <laughs> but nun as in the letter nun that's in the Hebrew. A lot of scholars say that this is actually its own particular book within uh, the book of Numbers. It's so, a it's so special that it has to be the reason why the original guys that were writing it put two nuns around it was because they're bracketing it for a particular reason. And um, I was brought, this was brought to my awareness in this uh, for us today. The cloud of the Lord was over them when they traveled from the camp. And when the ark traveled, Moses would say, rise up. I don't know about you, but God, the one who is sovereign, who sits in the heavens and does whatever he pleases, what in the world am I having to tell him to rise up for? That's what he did. The man of God leading the people of God is, is looking at the Lord, relating to the Lord, because he said he spoke to Moses as a man face to face. He had, he took the parabolic off and he just communed with him. And his intention with the Lord was rise up, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. You'll, you'll see this imagery, is, it is throughout scripture, but there's something and I, I, I think you know this when we're up here worshiping. Sometimes I get into the like, this mode. <laughs> when I'm in that mode, I'm kind of like, I'm talking to the Lord. I'm like, feel fully like invested by him. And it's like, hey, me and you, like we're on the same team here. And like, hey, let's do this thing. <laughs> That's how I feel. It's a, it's a posture of, of courageousness that talks to the God. <laughs> And relates to him as a father. And I'm, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, like, and men know this with our Y chromosome selves. I tell my wife sometimes, I'm like, I don't even know if you understand me because I have a Y chromosome. You have two X's you can deploy against my one X, which she does sometimes. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> it's like, how did you see that? It's like, you only have one X. <laughs> I don't mean like an ex-wife. I only have one X like an X chromosome. But I said, you don't understand me. Our, our son, uh, Leander, <laughs> he told me like this last year, he says, you're a stranger to me. And I said, what do you mean I'm a stranger to you? He said, I came out of mama's belly. What does that have to do with you? <laughs> <laughs> he told us this week that he figured it out. It's because I kissed her. And then... Uh, and I said, well, she'd have like 800 kids or more by now. <laughs> I said, I think your logic's breaking down, son. Of course, he, didn't know. he said, I know, I know what's going on. I said, no, you don't. You, you, you just simply do not know. But one day, we'll talk about it. He's not quite ready. He's eight. 
I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, Y chromosome. <laughs> yes, thank you. Rising up and your enemies be scattered. There's something about the, I believe, the male side of the Lord that loves another male of the soul because your soul has both male and female, whether your gender is male or female. That's what's kind of got the whole thing mixed up with the transgender movement is that they don't realize is the soul has male and female in it, but you have a gender and they're trying to take it into the body instead of let the restoration come to the soul. And it's because they're, many of them are just wanting transfiguration. They just don't know, they don't know how to put it together. And that's what we're here for, to help them with that. Um, and it's, it, I think it can be easily be explained. It's not even that hard to explain. But in the white crumbs, males like this, good males like another male to sort of like, you know, call them to it. Like one of my friends, we used to do these 20 rep squats, which is really painful because it get, what the purpose of it is, is to get your HCG to kick in so you'll put muscle on. And I remember he would say to me, what are you, like a little wimp, Carol? You just a little sissy? And I'm over there, ah, 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 I was trying to come up, you know, and shaking all over. He's like, and I kind of liked it when he talked to me that way. <laughs> like, tell me again. I don't like it when my wife talks to me that way. <laughs> don't let the X talk to the Y like that. But let the other Y talk to the Y like that. Rise up, Lord. The Lord likes it. He likes it when, with courage, you look him in the face and you say, rise up. He's like, oh, yeah, oh, <clears throat> remember, I'm awakened from my sleep like a man drunk with wine. You know where that's at? Psalm 78 or somewhere around there. Psalm 60, yeah. He rouses from sleep. Did you just call me to attention? Yeah, get up. We got stuff to do. He likes that. Uh, I heard one preacher one time, he called it putting a demand on the presence. I was like, you can't demand the Lord. And that guy, man, he's like, yeah. Like he likes it when you talk to him. Like, hey, let's do this thing. <laughs> you and me together, we got something going on. I don't know if y'all know the word like that yet, but I hope you do. That's his kingly side. He has this beautiful high priest side. He also has this kingly side. Kind of likes for you to talk to him like that. He likes to be talked to sweet too. <laughs> Rise up, Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, those that hate flee before you. When he would come to rest, return, O Lord. Why? Because there's a rising and then there's a return. When we're taken up into the heavens in these events, my whole thing is, I don't, know if you, I don't know if you think like I do. You probably don't, and I don't necessarily think like you do. Not to say, but I'm thinking that if we can get in that atmosphere in him and we, the courage takes over the event with power, there's going to be a return. Because heaven must come to earth. And, and Moses is leading his people like that in the Exodus. I, we, I don't think this concept hit me very early on at all. It's more in recent years that the Lord isn't looking to just come and do a big uh, entitlement handout thing on all of us. The Lord's wanting you with courage. 
in, in relating with him and seeing his perspective to bring heaven to earth. Now, did he, did he give in the wilderness manna for all those years? Yeah, but you're not going to inherit promise like that. He don't do that. And I just want to tell you about him just a little bit. He's going to challenge you. <laughs> He's going to put some kind of problem in front of you, an obstacle in front of you, and wants you to uh, bring that thing into now. So, oh, my goodness, it's 407. My apologies. <laughs> I, I thought it was like 130. <laughs> All right. Goodness, crazy so <laughs> Oh, well, I didn't get started. God did. Let's go. We're here. All right, you can leave if you need to. I'm going to finish a few notes, and then we'll close here in a few minutes. But I need to do this because I'll be out of order with him if I don't complete this. Uh, Deuteronomy 33, uh, 2 through 5. And so he said, the Lord, and if you take notes, take these down in this order. He came from Sinai. He donned, he donned to Israel from Seir. And number three, he appeared in splendor from Mount Paran. And then it says, and he came forth with 10,000 holy ones. It's, uh, the imagery is very similar to what we're looking at in Numbers chapter 10. And it says, now listen, it says with his, with his right hand, uh, which I was reading to you out of Exodus 15 today, it says he gave a fiery flashing lightning. This is in the Hebrew, a flashing lightning law to them. All right, so again, God is, comes from Sinai. He came from Sinai. He dawned to Israel from Seir. The dawning, it dawns from Seir. This is from the place of, uh, of Edom. It, it dawns on them, I, I guess, or the dawning of the light breaks forth, and then he appears in splendor from Mount Pron. You need some help with this. Look at 2 Peter chapter number 1. And he says, uh, Peter saying about this event at transfiguration, he says, he says, in a murky place until the day dawn and the morning star rises. Are you tracking with me? He came from Seir. He dawned from, uh, excuse me, he came from Sinai. He dawned from Seir and then he uh, radiated with splendor from Mount Paran. And, uh, and why am I saying this? Because God himself begins to reveal himself to us in stages. The Lord uh, begins to bring an understanding of himself as person um, as we develop with him through a process of, of staging. Again, like Peter was saying, it was a murky place until the day dawned and the morning star rose. In where? Your heart. And so um, I, I found this out in the double helix. God, when even after, even after, um, even after his crucifixion and resurrection, he came and appeared to them. And I don't, I don't know if you've read that, but the Lord, will, I'm sure you've read it, but the Lord will come and make appearances to them. And when you study it in the Greek, you start to realize that 
It doesn't mean just like that he came to them and said, hey guys, how y'all doing? Like, nice, it's good to see you again. What it meant was he was giving a progressive revelation of himself into their consciousness. He was, he was uploading himself as revelatory realm into their thinking and understanding matrix of their personhood. So God comes to us, comes to us from Sinai. What does the scripture say? Paul said this, the law is a what? The schoolmaster. To what? To bring us to who? Christ. Christology. To bring us into the, the stature of his Christ life living in us. And so he's bringing this transformation into his people and starts with us here from Sinai. Any of you ever had the light bulb turn on? <laughs> Remember when it did and you begin to see? I was with Isaac Klepak this week and, and he's telling me about being the age of 12 and, and that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I said, oh man, what was that like to see that early on with all this stuff going on around us in the church? Because <laughs> when you begin to see and behold and it dawns on you, it can be tough at a young age like that. It can throw you into all kinds of problems because you start to see. You start to see what's really going on and you start to see the intentions of others and how that thing's not coming off right and this seemed like this and that and then, oh my gosh, you're in a mess and you can get yourself into an orphan state. You know, anybody this happened to? Do you know what I'm saying? You begin to have it dawn on you and then the intention of others, leadership, whatever is bothers you and you can be taken into a trap almost because the dawning from seer happened. The murky places become dawn and you begin to behold. When uh, splendor is being referred to here, and this is my function for today, that he appeared in splendor from Mount Paran, it refers in verse three uh, here, it refers to the Hebrew word hod, which is associated with kingly authority. What I, I believe that the Lord brings the prophetic in by the, the law. He develops you as a priest judge, but his purpose is to bring in real authority, kingship, queenship uh, for you ladies. To bring in a real authority that's associated here with Paran. Um, in this context, God's splendor is his glory as the sovereign king reigning over all creation and for all time. So when the lightning flash of the law, you know, today up here at the very end, the Lord's like, you know that whole Zeus Hercules thing? I said, yeah, he's like, man, they got that thing. They tried to steal that thing from me. And like, I'm the one that's got the lightning flash going on, this Zeus imagery. And yeah. You know what I mean? I create a whole bunch of Hercules type people right in here. And I'm like, it's like I wanted to put lightning bolts. Like we all had lightning bolts on us or something. I want a lightning flash, um, a lightning, a flash of lightning, uh, judicial prosecuting ability inside of my people to see clearly what I'm saying and to enact it now and I want it in every single one of you. That's what I made you to be. And I want to bring you into real authority. The authority that uh, is, is splendor. 
So, so in the language uh, that's being used here, the Lord, it says again, is coming from Sinai, dawning from Seir, shining forth his splendor from Mount Paran, coming forth with 10,000 of his holy ones with a flaming fire at his right hand or the flaming law, the lightning law, Habakkuk's using the similar phrases and connecting his song of praise with Moses' blessing. And Habakkuk praises God's sovereign power and ability to provide. Listen to this. This is someone else wrote this, a second Exodus. <laughs> For his people, listen, not from Egypt, but from Babylon. Habakkuk is making a shift in his hymn from a, from a request to a praise. Um, we had that happen this morning. He notes God's power in bringing the Jewish people out of Egypt and into the promised land because the Lord had accomplished this great work in the past. Habakkuk was confident he would deliver his people not just from Egypt, but he would deliver us from Babylon. And uh, I was talking with Janie McManus about this. She said, Carol, you could do 78 sermons on Babylon. I said, I know. It's so profound in Scripture. It, it, it's just, a kid be up here forever talking about the nature of Babylon and what it implies. But the purpose of this, uh, I got these notes from the Lord this morning, was what? To bring them back to their homeland once again. What is that? To bring us out of the darkness of our captivity, out of this purgatory type stuff per, per, that we've been in and bring us into a paradise now. To bring us into Eden land. I know from the Lord today, he said, he crossed through the valley of Jehoshaphat today with his people, cleared out the stuff that was in there just like it was in the days of Uzziah and this people will inherit Paran becomes the, the center point of God's judgment. But listen, Paran no more would be God uh, for the purpose of dealing with his people, but with the, for the purpose of exacting judgment against the enemy. Paran, again, is not the center point of God's judgment on his chosen people, but to deal with the enemy's of his people. This isn't, this isn't an exodus, the second exodus, or in the case the Lord said to call it an X2M, an exit to millennium. Before Kara and I moved to Thunder Mountain Road, where we'll be until Thursday, and then we'll find our next home. <laughs> The night before, we find out, okay, I think we're going to move up to the Grand Highlands on Bear Wallow Mountain, and it's on this road, 475 Thunder Mountain Road. That's where we're living. And that night, this, I think I typed it in on Google about the Highland, Highlands and how it relates to Scripture, and this thing came up, and it says, from the, rivers of ba from the streams of Babylon to the Highlands of Judah. <laughs> And I said, oh my goodness, you're saying I'm ridding all this Babylonian thing out. And I'm going to bring the, the, to the highlands of the king, you know. 
And of course, our family identifies with that tribe extensively, uh, uh, the tribe of Judah. And, and so I uh, found out, yeah, this is the Lord's will, and I feel prompted of the Lord. And he's like, I want you to look at Isaiah 47.5. And so I go, I go look at it, and I, because that's the address, the place we're staying. I look down, it says, sit silently, go to a hiding place. Well, daughter of the Babylons, indeed, you will no longer be called queen of kingdoms. And the Lord tells me, he's like, I want to deal with the king of Tyre in Eden, and I want to cast out both the king of Tyre and the queen of Babylon. I don't want this stuff with my people anymore. I said, oh, that's just fascinating to me. I mean, cast, uh, cast her out and cast out this Babylonian system that has infected my people. Uh, let's stand together. In Habakkuk 3, he says, God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praises filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashing from his hand where his power was hidden. Maybe like, you know, look at these that God gave you, you know? This morning when we're like, and worship, he's like, do you feel the lightning quick impulse? in the hands, he's, tell them some of them are gonna feel radiation coming through their hands. It's like coming through your head, down through your hands. Um, I'm wanting to restore the authority of my people back. I want, I want you to have uh, everything I'm, I wanna give to you. I wanna give you the whole thing. I wanna restore everything back to you. I wanna give you everything that was lost. I want the lightning fast impulse to run right through my people, right down from the top of the crown of their head, the bottom of their feet, and out through their hands in our decision making, our life. It wouldn't be sort of like a stutter anymore, or like a like where we gotta take long seasons of self-reflection to figure out what just happened because we can't get it. It's just like stuck. We're stuck. I'm tired. The Lord wants to end, put an end to it. He just wants this lightning, fiery law to run through us, uh, his life and his love and his energy, and it's just uh, so we can walk throughout this earth and really take dominion. That the fruit of our hands, the fruit of our labors would be unto the glory of the Lord. No more paralysis of analysis. No more sticky, sticky, stickiness, but just life, energy flowing through us that you would receive today even, even that the palisade of protection, the perspicacity of the wisdom of God to sort through mass amounts of data and to be able to make a decision and prosecute. And that part of your prosecution, the first thing would be John 16, 11, that our enemy has already been judged. 
that your prosecution would be like that, that you would prosecute that in your mind and your heart so that he doesn't condemn you, that he has no right to condemn you because he's already been condemned. And he's trying to point out our sin and get us all fixated on our stuff when the Lord has already paid for everything. You know, there's so much glory in this just to say, hey, look, you know, like you're loading me down, man. I see what you're doing. You, you see beast, Leviathan, nonsense thing. I did not put up with this. I plead the blood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm done with that. I'm the Lord's. You're the Lord's. It's like the splendor of God radiates how you're being. It's, you can laugh at the things to come, the adversity, the problems. You can just say, you know, whatever, man, whatever. It's not up to me. It's up to him. Okay, let's come. We'll take communion together. Come. And then uh, Stephen. You can't. What's that? Oh, really? Okay. Can you unmute Stephen's guitar from back there? And his mic, maybe? If it'll allow you to. I don't know how you do that. There we go. Thank you. of heaven, the reality of heaven flowing through you, from him and through him and to him be the glory, from you, through you, and to you be the glory. over judgment. <laughs> Mercy triumphs. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness is tracking you down in mercy, following you around.
And the Lord took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. sweet for the whole week. <laughs> well, that sugar tastes good. <laughs> may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May his graciousness be on you. May he write his name on your forehead. the night. 